listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my father, Erwin Raphael McManus. It's good to have you here today. It's good to be here. Wait a minute. Uh, where Are we in West Hollywood today? We are in an undisclosed location in West Hollywood. We okay. have a new office. Because it's really close to Beverly Hills. I can see Beverly Hills. Yeah, I can see West Hollywood. West Hollywood is behind you. All right. Well, it's a beautiful spot. It is a beautiful spot. Shout out to Hastings Mattresses for and, giving us an office And Jacob Koo for being our first sponsor. <laughs> 100%. Thank you for letting us invade your office and giving us a home for the next however long you can talk. So you throw us, us out. So you kick <laughs> us out. Um, no, no, no. So here we are. Uh, we are in a new space, in a new time, the day after Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about A lot how, of things. Okay. We want to talk about how Christians and liberals ruin everything. They really, really do. All right, you want to be more specific? You know, okay. So I was, I the Super Bowl happened this weekend. Did you have, did you have a good Super Bowl Sunday? I did. I loved the game. It was probably one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. Okay. Except for the call in the last minute that decided the game. I don't think a, a referee should actually decide the outcome of a football game like that. Uh, to me, but. the 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 defensive back decided the game. He decided to hold, he decided to grab, and then the ref decided to punish him for it. They hold and grab the whole game. You can literally call 10 penalties every single play. The referee has to use his discretion as to whether it actually affects the outcome of the game or not. And that's the part of human perspective and, and human error. And money lines. <laughs> and betting and the odds were probably there was probably a lot of really interesting people about to lose a lot of money that's what i love about you you're not cynical at all i'm not cynical i'm just realistic <laughs> look just because in 10 years there might be a documentary on this game about how some rep decided to go to federal prison because he tampered with a call yeah i'm just calling it out now well Conspiracies i see today certainty tomorrow but you know speaking of that though i love the way the philadelphia eagles took ownership of the loss. Every interview, they didn't blame the referees. They didn't blame a single call. They took all personal responsibility. Um, They really manned up. If people could learn to take personal responsibility for losses and owning it and giving credit to the other team the way the Eagles have, um, our nation would be dramatically healthier. They made me an Eagles fan. Um, They really, really have class. It was a great organization, great responses, great ownership. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to come back. He'll be back in the Super Bowl. Two amazing firsts. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe they're not first, but one of them is definitely first. First time two black quarterbacks started in a Super Bowl. Yes. And maybe the first time that two quarterbacks starting the Super Bowl are openly followers of Jesus. And what's crazy, which is kind of amazing, it it almost feels like a glitch in the matrix because they also (laughs) both, on top of that, they also both have. Kelsey's like two and they yeah. play the same position, right? No, no. One's no. a center and one's a tight end. I think it is. Yes. So but yeah, you have two brothers yeah. under two amazing quarterbacks deciding this incredible game. It's pretty impressive. There's just, there's so many wonderful nuances. Well, what's that, you know, that sports are more than just the competition. It's all the stories of all the people who have worked so hard to come to this culminating moment where the best of the best have to literally eliminate each other to become the best of all time for that moment. I, I honestly, I hate the Super Bowl. What? I think it's really boring. <laughs> Super Bowl was this amazing. Game, this game was good. This game was yeah. good. But Super Bowls are notoriously boring. 
It's true. A lot of times the Super Bowl is over by halftime. Yeah. No, and, we yeah. we went and watched. So we went and had lunch with some friends. Mm -hmm. And then we left after halftime. When you say we, well, you don't mean me and you. No, not me and you. And then we went to another. <laughs> yeah. And then we went to another <laughs> friend's house to like finish the Super Bowl. It was like maybe a five minute drive. Mm -hmm. And it was just it's very funny. Like the two different cultures. One crew <laughs> was like barely watching. I was like, I have to watch a little of this game. I want to watch a little of this game. And then the other crew was like screaming, yelling, kids running everywhere. And it was really like, uh, it was really a great experience and really fun. Both experiences were great. <laughs> but one thing that I noticed, I was in a room with people who have a very different background mm -hmm. than me. Definitely not people who grew up in church, probably grew up in temple, probably grew up in a much different, you know, background and heritage mm -hmm. than, than we did. And this commercial comes on. Mm -hmm. And and most of the time, I don't really want to talk about these things. I'd rather talk about mm -hmm. other stuff. But I, I feel like we have to talk about it. All right. Because it, it hits close to home, right? We're sitting there. I've just met everyone. Incredible, incredible Jewish families. It's and they, like, they know you're the one Christian in the room. Well, I'm not the one Christian. There was another one. Okay. <laughs> and I meet this, I meet this, like this guy, Luke who's a comedian, and his wife goes, oh my gosh, Luke sneaks away and goes to Mosaic all the time on Sundays. And I was like, oh, amazing. <laughs> and they have two little kids. That's why I that's think that's great. why she was saying that. And she's like, we got to go. We have to go. And so I'm sitting there going, the, there's one other pastor's kid in this whole crew. And I don't think the rest of them know, that, but they know that I'm not one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so most of them are Jewish. Most, they're all Jewish. Oh, they're all Jewish. <laughs> they're all Jewish. <laughs> Everyone's Jewish. And, and except for me and Luke. And so, you know, this commercial comes on and it's, it's really interesting. I think there was like, it was about refugees and there was a lot of people being helped and then mm -hmm. it's black and white. And I'm watching this and I'm going, I think I know what this is. I think I know that it's the, he gets us commercials that, you know, from, mm -hmm. from our friends that have been shooting these commercials. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks ago during the playoffs, we, I actually thought I was like, wow, this is a great representation of our faith. Mm -hmm. Finally, something that doesn't make me want to just like cringe and crawl into a hole. Mm -hmm. Right. Super Bowl Sunday comes around. Between the time that we found the commercial we loved and the time the Super Bowl happened, you went and met with the He Gets His people. They came to LA yeah. and they met with you. Amazing people, really enjoyed them, really smart, uh, really good good hearts, good intention. Good people. Yeah. And then the Super Bowl happened. And and I don't know, I don't know how to I don't know how to take this, right? Because I'm in the room, the thing happens, then it says he gets us. Everyone's confused. So just to paint this picture, it goes, mm -hmm. He gets us, all of us, and then it flashes. Just is it Jesus? Right. So like watching the reactions were were very interesting. It was like, huh, huh, oh, and everyone's just <laughs> laughing. And I don't think they were laughing at Jesus. I think they were laughing at like maybe just not understanding the commercial. Mm -hmm. But I didn't understand the commercial. I was very confused. So <laughs> he may get us, but the people making these commercials do not. And so I like these people. So I'm not, this is not a diss because I don't know them. You know them. All I know is what I experienced in a room. But I think there's a lot of these type of experiences inside of our faith. Mm -hmm. So like, why is it that we can't not be cheesy? Well, I don't think. How I do think, you feel about it? Because for me, it changed the way I saw it. I was like, oh man, I'm embarrassed. Right. But if it was a flip for you, because when we first started talking about it, you actually liked the commercials, and I was probably more a little hesitant. And I did, I did not like the theme he gets us at all. I felt it was kitschy or, or you know. Yeah, kitschy is the yeah. right word, yeah. And, uh, and then, but you said, no, it's not bad. It's better than Jesus loves you because that's sort of been, you know, 
ruined by uh, Christian marketing. Yeah. And well, and, yeah, like three thousand years of crusades and trying to dominate the Middle East. It's hard to say Jesus loves you and then believe it. You know, we've got more bodies than Dexter does. <laughs> you know. Like, no, being <laughs> no. real, as a religion, mm. as a faith, mm. we have a very violent and, and, and bloody past. Yes. Right? Yeah, but Christianity does. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. You know? so it, but I want to be clear, in Jesus' lifetime, he never harmed anyone. He never uh, killed anyone. He didn't. Yeah, the only blood that was shed in his lifetime that he was related to was his own. Yes. And yes. He, what, what Christians have done since then in, um, is a distortion of his message and his life. And but but back to the commercials, uh, I did meet with them and they let me see the Super Bowl commercials and and I gave some of my thoughts and input and I thought they were really sharp people. I don't think the two commercials they chose for the Super Bowl were maybe the better choices. I I actually really liked the some of the other ones. I think there's one about refugees about Jesus being a refugee. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I and only saw the second one. That one for me was um, uh, really connected with people and I I've had a f I've watched a few of them where I thought oh, this is really moving. I think the challenging thing was um, the first one. I think the byline or the catchphrase was Jesus never wanted us to grow up. And which is really confusing to me. I mean, showed all these beautiful images of children that I've seen on Instagram. And so it was really kind of a, what do you call it, um, a mosaic of different images. Right. And of children. But uh, Jesus did want us to grow up because he didn't want us to become mature human beings. I think we have a problem in our culture where people are adults who didn't grow up they're they're not childlike they're childish and so i think right. there can be a real misunderstanding of the way that statement is made okay and um it would have been better to think of a different byline but the second one was one that um struck me where it said jesus loves the people we hate yes and i realized even though that's a really important statement for christians i know they're targeting people that don't believe in jesus but that statement is actually directed to christians Mm -hmm. because it's telling Christians that Jesus loves people we hate. Hmm. Because a lot of times we think we're talking to people outside of the faith, but we're actually talking to people inside of the faith. Right. You, you know, but what they're really trying to do is help people see Jesus in a new perspective. And I really want to commend them for that. They're trying to help people see that Jesus is compassionate and loving and that he's not a um, predictable right-wing conservative Republican, that, you know, he's a... A uh, very complex and textured human being who cares about everyone. Jesus is a textured human being? Yeah. Is he a human being? Because the Church of England just said that God is a they. All right, now you're switching off to another thing. I'm not. I'm just throwing things, I'm just throwing things your way. I'm just lofting some some I'm lofting some balls, some pitches. To see how you, you swing and hit. Well, so, he, so he, okay. Right. So, so two parts. We'll get to the Church of England. Yeah. It made me uncomfortable when you said your friends laughed. It made me very uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable, and I mm -hmm. just was like, ah. Frank. But I knew the moment I saw the stylized like photos, I was yep. like, okay, 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 okay. And I'm watching the room, right? I'm going, okay, mm -hmm. this is interesting. There's 30 people in this room and mm -hmm. everyone's watching this screen. And and they laughed. And I think more, mostly because it was a little confusing what that specific message mm -hmm. was to that um, commercial. But also I think it's like, I, for me, I felt like, why? Why do we have to, why, why, is, it that, why is it that so important that we need a, a, a Super Bowl ad? for he gets us. Well, interesting thing because... I don't want to knock it unless I feel like I can solve the problem. I do think one of the psychological things that we haven't really dealt with is, is something so intimate and profound as a relationship with God, something that can be properly marketed 
rather than related. It, we, we treated it, it, it like a product, right? You right. buy Super Bowl ads to sell Doritos. Right, and so that, that's so, the thing that really strikes me because, I mean, are one we the, cheapening the value of Jesus by by belittling the message and making it a commercial and during the Super Bowl? Are we? I mean, I think it's an important question, but um, so give me an answer. I don't know. Ooh, Be, what's the gut feeling? Um, my gut feeling is the gospel flows through human relationships best. So rather than saying whether something is right or wrong, I'd rather say whether it's better or best. You know, you would have done really, 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 really well uh, in Iraq with all the mines. Come on, man, you deflect and, and dodge faster than any human being I've ever seen in my entire life. And I understand where I get it now from. You have this incredible ability to not answer a single question. <laughs> I No, I, I don't see the world black and white. And so... I, but he gets us, does, because all the commercials are <laughs> black and white, my man. So I'm just, I'm asking you to give me an opinion, and then we can walk it back. I, I you think it's wrong or no? I, no, I definitely don't think it's wrong. It may not be effective. There's a difference between right and wrong and effective and ineffective. And so I think that there will be, I think there'll be a lot of people who will have a positive effect by that com those commercials. I don't think anyone who was not a Christian went, yes, that's interesting. Or like, I'm intrigued. Maybe they are intrigued. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I had a conversation with, with with the person who brought me to the Super Bowl party. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were I, I said, hey, I was embarrassed mm -hmm. in that moment. And they were like, why are we embarrassed? I was like, uh, not like personally embarrassed, yeah. but more just like, well, when they ask more questions about me and really know where I'm coming from and know who you are and our family and Mosaic and the whole thing, then it becomes a little bit like, okay, so you're, he gets us team. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But I'm I'm not, not, he gets his team. All right, I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So in my conversations with um, the crew that drives who gets us, Okay. they used three cups and they said, um, let me kind of use your cup and your, and your, um, you want, you want to get and, the other and cup? And your phone. Here, here's people. Yes. Who don't believe in God and here's Jesus. Okay. And this is like, the church or this is christians okay and they're saying what we're what we're trying to do what we, our like strategy is to move christians out of the way so that people can see jesus and connect to him directly and what my response was um the commercials aren't jesus the commercials are an expression of people so you still have something in between people and jesus okay and so if you're working from a an illusion that the commercials move people out of the way, you're not. The commercials are a reflection of people. Right. Secondly, that doesn't even match Jesus' strategy because Jesus actually wants people to be the guiding light to himself. It's right. the only way you really can see Jesus well is through people. And when you see love through people and kindness through people and compassion through people, then you actually begin to see Jesus clearly. So, and I said, I think the challenge is that you guys have grown up with uh, swimming in murky water. So all your Christian experiences, people that have diminished your view of Jesus. And what you, so the solution isn't getting people out of the way. The solution is us becoming a reflection of Jesus so people mm. can see Jesus well. Okay. So the commercials will never, no matter, no matter how good they are, no matter how world-class they are, for me, they will never replace Jesus' strategy of revealing himself 
to people through people. Okay. I would never choose the commercials to replace people. Hmm. But the reason we're having to use commercials is because very few people actually, A, talk about their relationship with Jesus, and B, live a life that's compelling enough for people without God to say, I want that life. So, the, so when you ask me, is it good or, or right or wrong, I'm saying... I didn't say... Did I say right or wrong? I said, do you think it, it, it's effective or not? Yeah. Or, and, yeah, do, is it right or wrong to market Jesus? If you use marketing in its proper context, when you live a really compelling life, that's marketing. The of best, of the course. best marketing of Jesus of is a life fully lived. Of course, that that's my answer to that. And um, mm, nope, that's not an answer. It is. No, it's not an answer. Do you think the seven to thirty? I don't know. I, I, it's it's expensive. It's like yeah. I mean, Dorito commercials. Like, Ten years ago, when we were shooting commercials, were yeah. like three million dollars of every thirty seconds. So I imagine it's double that now. Yeah. So is it worth tens of millions of dollars to market Jesus in an inadvertent way? For people to what find out more about Jesus is is it? Do you feel like it's a waste of money? Do you feel like it's valuable? Should I not ask these questions? <laughs> I don't. It's not my money. I don't think it's a waste of money. I think that money. Um, I think there are better strategies. Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. here's the thing. Because while I ask these questions, yeah. I haven't been able to think of a better strategy. I think healthy churches are the best strategy. Interesting. That you know bring people together who love each other and love humanity and serve the world. That's the best strategy. But I, I think of commercials or marketing like that as air cover. If you can create a positive regard to Jesus and to the followers of Jesus, um, you've created a good thing. But, yet, but if you think you can create a positive regard of Jesus, uh, disconnected from Christianity, it's almost going to be impossible. Because people go, yeah, that's what you're saying about Jesus, but this is what I see in people who believe in Jesus, and that doesn't match. So, you know, no matter what the commercials say, if we don't match what it says, it will invalidate it. I just think I don't ever want to shoot down people's efforts to try to do something really meaningful. Okay. And I, I think the best solution is do something better, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so I, I actually overall have liked the commercials. And I think that they've been really, really well done and they're very human and very compassionate and very compelling. I didn't think the Super Bowl ones were a home run. I thought they were a mess. Okay, interesting. About missing though. So, okay, so I don't really know. How would you do it better? So let's ask that question. How would you do it better? Well, one, you have to decide, are you trying to tell Christians who Jesus is or are you trying to tell people who are not Christians who Jesus is? And, and I don't think they've actually figured that out exactly. No. I think some of the commercials, they nail it on the head. And some yeah. of the commercials, it's, it's like a rallying cry to Christians going, Jesus in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know? Um, which I just find awkward and absolutely embarrassing. Um, I would rather not have representation than... <laughs> this, is, this is the opposite of what is it, the, the Declaration of Independence. I'd rather have no representation and absolute just you know i it, it, it for me okay here this is my thing uh mm -hmm. i think people who do not believe in god and this is me speaking mm -hmm. um in, in a for people that you know that are friends of mine but i think they would rather see change and an action in the world and that's how they would see jesus right it's how you see jesus through something not necessarily understand that he gets you mm -hmm. that if you don't believe in something why does it matter if he gets me mm -hmm. right I don't believe if someone else's God gets me because I don't believe that God exists. 
So it's for me, I think they're trying to solve the wrong problem. They're not showing the proof of God in humanity. Yeah, he gets you, assumes people actually already believe, but are not convinced in that final step hmm. or have walked away. It feels like it's trying to bring people back to church or back to faith. Okay. But not necessarily people who have always been outside the faith. Okay. So maybe that's the target. But you know, like I, 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 we have the same conversation every week that yeah. I'll bring friends who don't know God, mm -hmm. you know. And sometimes I, I always preface when they come in the doors, mm -hmm. right? And usually the people I'll bring are, you bring are mm -hmm. the furthest. Yeah. You know, people who are like, hey, I've never been inside of a church. I don't even know what it would be like. You know, how do I? All they know <laughs> is, you know, genuinely, my yeah. two of my best friends were like, is there security? Will there like is active shooter protection a thing? Because it's like all you see on the news, all you see out in the world is that. Yeah people target churches and try to kill Christians and people target mm -hmm. other religious organizations and try to kill them. Mm -hmm. So for us, how do you establish this baseline of maybe norm, being normalized and being mm -hmm. maybe modern and, and, and also reverent, um, all the while making it a space where people, you know, can come in and also jump on to the thing that we're building. And that's a really unique thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, very few things in this world are trying to do two things at once speak to the people who already believe and trying to bring people into a belief system or to an understanding of a belief. And, you know, like when you go to a, a grocery store, there isn't someone there convincing you that you need to eat food. Mm -hmm. You've gone to go eat food. Yeah. Right. And so it, it, it is a really remarkable and special place and unique. And, and I think all of the things like it, it's a war zone and it's a peaceful place of like solitude and, and sanctuary. Um, for me, I guess, how do you, I'm just thinking about my friends going like, if I'm telling them about Jesus, my life is a reflection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there's been often and many times where my reflect, my life is not a reflection of Jesus, mm -hmm. right? But I also am looking at it from a different filter now of people in my life who I care about dearly, who are very confused by the way that we live our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And so when these situations, he gets us, I don't know if that commercial really actually does explain or cross that bridge and go, I do get you. I think the reality is that it's like, no, you actually don't get us. Mm -hmm. When you say he gets us, I think it's just a re, re, it's another reminder that Christians are so far out there in the wrong mm -hmm. zone that they haven't even hit close to home for people who don't believe. And that's, that's the thing that makes me nervous because I'm going, mm -hmm. okay, how do you, how do you have these conversations? Right? Like, how do you do it and how do you not do it? And so, you know, I don't know. That's all I got. It's really all I got. Yeah, I just think it's a challenge of um, we have, you know, 100 years of communication about Jesus to people who actually already believe. Right. And now we're in a time history where you're going to have to learn how to communicate people who don't believe at all. Hmm. And, you know, and so it's really not he gets you. It's like, do you even, maybe Jesus is more than you thought. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's almost creating a compelling argument for why a person should even consider Jesus rather than going, hey, I want you to know he gets you. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so many assumptions there, right? Yeah. Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. A person would go, how can someone who's dead get me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how can someone who's been around for 2,000 years get me? I don't, I don't 
know how to connect those dots. Right. But we connect those dots because we have so much belief behind them. And so, you know, when we say he gets you, we have 50 different things that make that possible. Hmm. And, um, and then when the person without God is watching it, and even just even beyond that, if you look at like marketing, who watches the Super Bowl? Like, you know, you ever just stay up late at night well, and because you're, you're bored, you can't sleep. And then every commercial is for senior adults, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> or yeah. we, you know, and you realize, oh, they pay attention to who's watching the show. And that's usually when I turn it off and go, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> yeah. But the Super Bowl has a very specific demographic. Right. But I don't know, yeah. though, because I was in two very different rooms full of people mm -hmm. who no one had, you know, believed what I believed in. And I'm like, and there is, I'm like, this is the rest of the world. Yeah. Everyone's watching this thing. Whether you're watching it for Rihanna, or you're watching it for the commercials, or you're watching it for the yes. game, there, there is quite literally something for everyone. Right? <laughs> and now there's Jesus for yeah. everyone. I, I guess, yeah, I guess I like he gets us. And if you're listening and you hear this and all, you know, maybe you didn't make it to this part. I hope you know that I actually appreciate what you're doing. I think it's, there's a few other layers that need to access it. Right? It's a great, I think, it's a great point of conversation of going, do we, do we actually, I, I know Jesus gets everyone. Do we actually get people? Ooh, I got it. I know the campaign, the truth between us. The truth between us is the greatest campaign for people who do know God and people who are yeah. on a journey. You did a series 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, called in, The Truth Between downtown Us. Downtown at the Mine, where yeah. you broke down Scientology, broke down Mormonism, you broke down Catholicism, you broke down Buddhism, you broke down Hinduism. Islam. You broke down and, Islam. And even atheism. And atheism, Judaism. And came about it not from the differences that we are, but mm -hmm. from the similarities that we actually have. Yeah. And I think something in that, the truth between us, is mm -hmm. something that I think would be a better campaign. We should get to the truth between us. In fact, this past <laughs> week, uh, a Muslim DM me. Yeah. No, no, not a Muslim. A Hindu yeah. DM me and said, "Hey, I'm the only person now who believes in Jesus. Can I get your message, the truth between us?" Wow. Uh, Jesus and Hinduism. Wow. So I can get to my family. I had no idea how to get that to them. So they're Muslim or they're Hindu? They're Hindu. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I thought that was pretty amazing. That's so amazing. It's 20 years later. That's crazy. It's still out there somehow. Did you redo it? You kind of redid it a few years ago, did you? I did a redo it. You do need to redo it. Yeah. I yeah. think so. So maybe it's not just one thing with He Gets Us. Maybe it's yeah. multiple things. Maybe yeah. it's multiple layers of just earning and building trust. But I would say this at least the commercials were strong. Yes. Like the quality of the commercial, the intent behind the commercial. You can tell these are people who are very smart, very intelligent. And the artistry was strong. No, right. The quality yeah. of the commercial was great. Yeah. Um, All right. You were talking about the Anglican church. <laughs> Miles would just move from. <laughs> I, put, I put it out there. I, I, I put out a couple of feelers on Bad Already on okay. Monday about what, you know, what we should talk about and a couple of people, which did you know, this is a, this is a shameless, absolute shameless, cheap shout out. Do you know, you know who Katie Torwatt is? I don't. She's like an insanely good worship leader. Her and oh, her husband, Brian, right? Um, they're all named Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally all named Brian. Um, well, you'll be never leading worship but, then. <laughs> no, no, but no. Uh, but she, she actually, she actually asked the question and I like, I didn't realize she followed. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I almost dropped my phone. I've been such a big fan yet. Yeah, she said a, a trio of World War Three aliens and Rihanna's red outfit with a bunch of like crying emoji faces, like just kind of making fun of it. But uh, I asked people for topic for for different topics, uh, suggestions, uh, men dealing with shame and struggling, struggling with shame. Um, 
uh, spiritual warfare in the Western world in light of Sam Smith's Grammy performance. Did you see that? I did not see his Grammy performance. Did you see that? I didn't see, I saw like a, I saw like a clip of it. Here's the thing. Can we talk about the devil for one minute? All right. I don't want to talk about it, but it makes me very, very. And then we get to Church of England. Learning Labs just did a whole segment. We haven't even announced what Learning Labs is. Kim McManus, Andres um, Figueroa, and Lawrence Fudge, I think, on the devil. They're doing an entire podcast on him. Okay, so here's the thing. I grew up with, I think, fearing God, but but even a deeper fear of the devil. (laughs) Right? Because when you grow up, when you grow up inside of a Christian, and I don't know how this is for you over there, um, one of our amazing young guys that is from the Church of England. No? You just visit the Church of England. You're from England. You go to church. Yeah. All right. That, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think. So you're right. So I'm right. Wrong order. Wrong order. <laughs> well, what were we going to hit first? Uh, you, well, oh, talking about, yeah. So like you grow up in like Christian camps and like going to all these things yeah. and like, you know, summer camp, winter break. And people don't tell ghost stories. They tell like demon stories and like exorcism stories and all of these crazy like mm-hmm. evil stories. And you're told and you read this Bible and you're told every week that there's good and there's evil and there's, there's, well, you want to talk? I'm sorry. No. I'm just getting going. No, it's good. Look. I'm scared. Look, I did not raise you to be thinking and dwelling about the devil. What happened was we sent you to a camp. A, no, a Christian no, no, camp. No. no, you can. And at the camp, tell me. They told you. Uh, uh, they didn't tell you ghost stories. They told you devil stories. Yes. And then Austin's shaking his head. Yes. And then he when understands you, this trauma. when you came home from the camp, it was the first time you've ever been afraid of the dark. Mm-hmm. I went to turn off the light when and said good night, buddy. Turn off the light. And you said please don't turn off the light. And I said why? And and you said because I'm afraid of the devil. And I thought where in the world did this come from? And then you. I thought, okay, wait a minute. He's afraid because they told ghost stories at camp. I said, did they tell you some stories at camp or something like that? He goes, yes. And, but it was all about the devil. And I thought, oh, great. If they had told you ghost stories, I should have sent you to a non-Christian camp so they could tell you ghost stories. So I could say, buddy, there's no such thing as ghosts. But I send you to a Christian camp, and they tell you about demons and the devil, and yeah. I can't go. There's no such thing. I got to go, yes, they're real. <laughs> but, yeah, but, the, but the light being on won't help you. <laughs> I can't, see, I can't handle this. And this is the yeah. thing. I think, well, because here's the, here's, the, here's the reality of the situation. I and mean, this is a deeper, this is something else that we can go into. We can or we don't have to. The reality is that I, I am pretty convinced that, that one of the most primary motivations behind the faith, Christianity, is to use fear to manipulate and control. Well, that would be true for religion as a whole. Uh, and you're you're right. The only mm-hmm. one I'm a part of is this one. <laughs> um, but I would say that that using fear and regulation is a bit of the control aspect of it. So when you know you tell children to be afraid of the devil, what you're trying to tell them is don't sin and don't do things that your parents don't agree with and don't do things that God doesn't agree with, because there's something out there to try to get you. Mm-hmm. And you look at that like that storyline has existed for all of humanity there's yeah, always been this fight between good and evil right mm-hmm. and only and and if this is the irony is that I, you always i always was raised with this 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 ideology that if you truly believe in god and you truly believe jesus in your heart and your soul then then the devil can't get you mm-hmm. but in most dreams of faith it's still this warring between yeah. the devil and god yeah i, I want to remind you what what i said to you in 
that night when you were maybe eight years old or whatever. Yes, young. And you said, Daddy, would you pray that God would keep me safe? And I said, no, I'm going to pray that God will make you dangerous mm. so that you won't have to be afraid. They'll have to be afraid of you. And then you said, well, then pray that would be really, really dangerous. <laughs> and that that's, became the theme. And I wanted to pray that you'd be dangerous. My, you know, my frustration all the time is that people act like the devil has so much control and, you know, power in their life that they're constantly living in fear. And, and, and then they're also displacing blame, blaming the devil and every bad choice they made. That wasn't the devil. That was just, that's just you being stupid, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah. and I just think right. there's a lot of superstition in Christianity that needs to be extricated from faith. So, I mean, that's the reality, yeah. right? Is that the devil is not omnipresent, that only God is omnipresent. That's right. But we tend to project attributes and characteristics of God's ability and power to the devil. That's right. We do that all the time. We, we act like we act like the devil is uh, Jesus's brother. Yeah, I, you know, equal to yeah, or greater than opponent. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we know just in summary is we know the devil is not whatever he is. We know he's not all powerful. He's not all knowing. He's not all present. So when everyone says the devil is doing this, I'm going well. He can't be everywhere at all times. So he's either messing with you, or messing with me, or messing with him, but not with all of us. Yeah. And 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 then we act as if the devil can read our minds, and um, and he cannot read your mind. And but does he read lips? <laughs> he can read lips. <laughs> and, uh, and he can't hear what you say, which is why confession is so important and so critical because the things you say, they actually go out into the open air of of you know of this more uh in, intensely real universe of uh, light and darkness but um but yeah and then i remember one time speaking at a church and they had a sign right before you walked on the stage it said not today devil not today and i thought why is the last thing i'm going to see before i walk on the stage on sunday Tell a the conversation devil, with, with the devil here. was yeah. that a hillsong song it's a hillsong song which is songs are supposed to be worship. What songs are supposed to be worship? Yeah, it's crazy. So when you're singing a song and you're actually having a conversation with the devil, yeah, it's crazy. We we don't we're not really thinking about what we're saying or singing. No, no. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and so so yeah, I, I have some real concerns the way Which, Christians talk about the devil and yeah. and and relate to that belief system. Yeah. All right, Church of. England, Anglican? No, 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 no. Well, going from the devil okay. and, and God, uh, I think that, I think the reality here. Because well, this is this is one thing I've I've talked about. If I was never made aware of it, would I still fear it? Yes. I don't think so. I disagree with you. I don't know if my friends who's I wouldn't say like their eyes are open to that world even acknowledge that it exists. Okay, you have so a their friend. lack of acknowledge. No. no, what are you, you talking about? I have like these okay. are ten friends. You have a friend who's Jewish. Yeah, he doesn't believe in God, right? No. Eh. But she yeah. does believe in evil. No. I thought you said sometimes she's been afraid because there's spirits and. She oh yeah, this. she thinks there's ghosts. All right, it's there funny. You go. Okay. She thinks there's ghosts. You see, <laughs> this is the best part though. <laughs> so she thinks there's ghosts, and no, 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 this is great. This is great. This is great. No, and but so, it makes my point. It does make your point. So what I've done though is that I like this is worse because I've created like a superstition for her. So when I come over, I play tremble, or this is how I thank the Lord, and I like why wave my phone around. I'm like, we're gonna get this ghost out of here. For me, I'm joking, but for her, she's like, yes, yes. And then when and then she'll call me and be like, guess what I'm doing right now? 
She's like FaceTiming and her FaceTime's going everywhere. And I'm like, what are you, where am I at the ceiling? She's like, I'm getting rid of all the ghosts that I keep hearing. And I'm like, so maybe she is awake into that thing. I don't know. But so, do we have an understanding for things we don't have a language for? Well, I think there's a lot there. I think um, human fear needs an object. Hmm. I mean, why are we afraid of the dark? It's because we move into mystery and uncertainty. We don't know what's there. So the moment we don't know what's there, it becomes a projection of our inner imagination, mm. our inner fears. Mm. And so when the light comes on, there is no functional change, but now we see what's really there. Humans are afraid of what they do not know. Mm. And they live in fear in those spaces of uncertainty and mystery. So you made the statement that's saying that, that, that our fear needs an object. Yeah. So does our love need an object as well? And that's why we've created this ideology of God. Or maybe that's why God created us as objects of love. Because love does need an object. Love uh, is never satisfied with just loving its, yourself or itself. I guess that, that makes sense to me, but I also have, I've, I've, I'm already too deep. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, but you, like there's you nothing, said, there's nowhere else for me to go. You said the right thing, but backwards. See, love does demand an object. I didn't say the right thing, but backwards, I, I came about it from a way in which someone else would come about it. Yes. And you know this. Okay. And the way that I would say this, though, is how do we become awakened to God if we, if, so, so to bring it back to the beginning, though, is the chicken and the egg situation. <laughs> I believe that Moses went up the mountain and had, I'm obsessed with the story, that Moses went up the mountain and had conversations with God. Yes. Right? And he came back and his face was, was, was holy, his face was righteous, and his face was Shining. glowing. Yeah, glowing. And yeah. that the people asked him to cover his face because it made them uncomfortable. So cool. Right? Mm -hmm. It's so cool. It's bizarre. That is crazy <laughs> stuff. He gets us. I don't get that. You're back to that. Because <laughs> he, here's, here's the full circle. Here's the thing. So if our fear needs something to focus on mm -hmm. our love needs something to focus on yes did humanity create the construct of god whether it exists or not so let's let's take god out of existence just theoretically for this mm -hmm. debate or this conversation do we come up with the idea of god did we come up with the idea of god or was moses really on the mountain with god and now we're three thousand four five thousand years later going we still have the remnants of this faith. We have this remnants of this reality of these moments where they met with God. Mm -hmm. But then where is it now? You know? Yeah, when you said earlier that you got there backwards. You said I had it backwards. I said I had it the way that other people think about it. Yes, backwards is the way to get to things. <sighs> you're just making a mess of my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, when you're moving forward, you're working from assumptions. Okay. When you're moving backwards, you're working from observations. And so when you're working backwards, you're, you're identifying what you can see without an explanation of it. Mm -hmm. And you work backwards until you can find some principal truth. Mm -hmm. When you're working forward, you're working from beliefs that you already have, and that's what allows you to go forward. Mm -hmm. And so when you're asking, you know, did we create God? I think then you have to then ask a more fundamental question. Did we create consciousness? Because how is it possible that human beings can actually imagine something outside of ourselves? Because to create the idea of God, you have to have this capacity to think out beyond what exists. Right. And so then the question you, then becomes, how do we, how are we capable of that? 
you look at the natural path of understanding and how maybe other religions were created. Mythology, mm -hmm. Greek mythology, Native American mythology, like the Mayan and Inca mythology, it really does make a lot of sense. Not that it's factual, but that you have a, you have a, uh, a, you have the sun and mm -hmm. you have a God that controls the sun. You have mm -hmm. a moon and you have a God that controls the moon. You right. have the rain and you have a God that controls the rain. It is a like, it is a basic construct and value system created to give value to the things that we don't understand, mm -hmm. right? I'm always fascinated when Paul talks about it in Romans about the unknown God, right? right. The it's, it's Paul, right? But in the Book of Acts, he, oh, Book of Acts, he talks about the unknown God. Yeah, he, he finds the, the like the little the statue that yeah. is like uh, towards the unknown God. Mm -hmm. and that and that's what I feel like is maybe us, mm -hmm. right? Is that there is this unknown thing, idea, metaphor, concept. They, as the Church of England would say, but. I don't know that we created the idea of God. I think we found that there is a value set that we have not placed, right? That we haven't mm -hmm. described. There is something out there. Mm -hmm. There has to be right. that affects all of the things that we have given labels to. But now that we know, because we have iPhones and we have all these things and we know that there isn't the sun God and the moon God mm -hmm. and the rain God and the, the, the wheat God and all of these things. Right. Right. Like I think Hinduism is completely disproven by the fact that iPhones exist. Where is, where is Shiva? Where, where are all these descriptive, right? Where are these things? Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's, it makes very, it makes a lot of sense that, 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 uh, that the Egyptian gods are disproven. Right. But think of this, um, when the world was seen as disconnected, you had a rain God and a fire God and a sun God and a moon God. And, you know, um, it makes sense to me how they got there. Judaism was that singular space that said, no, there's only one God. Mm. And now we know scientifically that everything in creation is interconnected. Mm. So if you work backwards, you realize, oh, we thought there were a need for a lot of gods because everything seemed to be separate. Mm. We didn't see the rain connected to the sunrise. Mm. You know, we, we, we didn't see the sun connected to the ocean. So everything had to have a separate God. And now that we realize, no, the entire universe is connected, there would only be a need for one God because everything is one. Everything is interconnected. Mm. No, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. I guess now I go, when do you think it was? Do you think it's the continuation of like an ancient scripture is what we have with the Bible? Mm -hmm. Or because it's, it, you find this in every culture. You find this in every mm -hmm. culture that has ever existed. There's almost no predominant culture of atheists. Those cultures tend to not survive. Yeah, the cultures that do survive are the cultures that tell stories that create yeah. a belief system. Mm -hmm. Oh, and let's go back just for a moment to evil. No, 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 no. Because this is, I think, this is an interesting connection. Okay, is that when you're saying was that something we're taught? It's 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 actually like a universal metaphor. I mean, Star Wars is a battle between good and evil. Yes. Uh, you know, and every great movie is a battle yeah. between good and evil. Uh, you know, I mean, Ga Guardians of the Galaxy is a battle between good and evil. I mean, every film, every story, every narrative. I mean, every Disney story. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Pocahontas, Snow White, Cinderella. Snow White. Like they're they're all battles. Snow White's about drugs, but it actually <laughs> is about drugs. But we'll go on other stuff. No, no, no. Um, who is it with the rabbit, the Mad Hatter, and? Oh, that one's about drugs too, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. That one's definitely about drugs. But, uh, Anyways, rough topic. Keep no, going. No, no. So the narrative right. of good and evil okay. exists for all of humanity. Right. And so when you're saying, would we have that without being taught that? Yes. Hmm. Because the moment something bad happens to you, you begin to create a story of why this happened. Hmm. 
and and you know and when good things happen we also build a story around that too hmm. and, and, you know and so when you're looking at this whole idea you can say oh humans <clears throat> you know humans are projecting and creating this idea of god or creating this idea of good and evil hmm. or the other thing we could be doing is no humans are actually capable of interpreting reality and humans can actually see there is good and evil hmm. whether we like it or not there's good and evil. I would love for there to be no evil, hmm. but I don't know how you can have a human story without it. Hmm. You know, this idea in the scriptures that everything is interconnected and everything is um, an expression of God's action, it's that seemed ridiculous, like a, a superstitious, a mythology just a few hundred years ago. Now the idea that everything's interconnected is science. You know, and when science goes back to its, you know, to the Big Bang, to its original origin, I think it's actually, to me, a greater proof of God that everything is cohesive, that everything started from one place. I love your so there theory. There was just one source of life. I love your theory. Yes, this is amazing. I'm pulling up the scriptures. I love your theory on the Big Bang. Do you know what I'm talking about? Which one? When it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. And you talk about it. Do you think that that's a silent action? <laughs> you want? Can you open up about that a little bit? And no, no, <laughs> no. Um, you don't want to. No, I just think that when you look at Genesis, oh, and we keep going back into the Anglican Church and never stopping there. That's because it's not that big of a just to figure out their teen stuff. <laughs> well, let me give you an interesting little side note to that because we're talking about Genesis when God says, "Let's create man in my in our inner image." Actually, it's plural. It said, "Let us create man in our image." Yes, in our act, in our likeness, let us create them, and so the the initial identification of God in Genesis is, is plur plural. plural. Yeah. And they the, isn't that wrong. And the name Elohim, which is the name of God, mm. is actually plural. Mm. So the idea that God is plural isn't an unbiblical term. Mm. But the intention behind the Anglican Church probably isn't the biblical intention. Mm. And um the idea that but that's an interesting way of staying culturally relevant and also very theologically based yeah going we're making a shift you don't you might not understand why but it actually is more biblical than even our masculine feminine language descriptors yeah because when people ask questions about you know well you know is god masculine or feminine they go no humans are masculine feminine god created us as expressions of who he is but we're not the full expression of who god is Mm. And uh, when he says, let us create man or image, for us to think that, oh, God created humanity and now we express everything about God is absurd. Would you say it's, would you, is it fair to say that, so man and woman need each other to procreate? Of course. God didn't need something else to create us. That's right. Right? So, so describing him within our understanding of language would be not belittling, but would be like, um, uh, it diminishes him. It makes him it less than he really is. And I think yeah. in an, not in an inappropriate way. It's mm -hmm. in, like we talk about this a lot. Mm -hmm. So much of the Bible is used in, within the context of our understanding. Yeah. Right? That I wonder what couldn't be described. Because, you know, you, you, you didn't really want to talk about it, but in, in Genesis 1, it talks about it. Like he created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. Like, you always say that wasn't not a silent act. No. No, because <laughs> there even, had yeah. to have been sound. There had to have been, like, something that that occurs when something's that great comes into an existence yeah even when it says you know and god said that's a declaration 
Yes. That's an eruption of sound. You know, when God speaks, when, and, and God said, let there be light, there's an eruption hmm. that takes place. Hmm. And, you know, so I, I, I actually think that the more science discovers, the more we're going to find the nuances in the scriptures to be um, insightful and relevant. Hmm. The Bible, to me, has become more relevant with science, not less. It's become more proven, not less. What's become disproven is our linear, concrete, uh, sometimes um, hyper-literal interpretations of everything. So why is it that in our humanity we we try so hard to take something that is very non-linear and something that's very metaphysical and metaphoric and create really practical ways to understand him? Yeah, I, I think it's because we need God to fit into a box you know, we, we need him to be understandable. Uh, I'll give you the survey I gave your mom the other day. I woke up and I said, all right, you have one or two options, one or two choices. You could either know everything or experience everything. Which one would you choose? Me? Mm -hmm. Know everything. That was quick. Yeah, not a question. Why well, do I have to experience it? I already know it. See, and I would choose, I'd rather experience everything. Yes, because you like to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> is that the only <laughs> <laughs> you're not expecting that one <laughs> i would rather be sad than have no emotions i wouldn't doesn't mean i have emotions i think i could feel <laughs> for people who have gone through what they've gone through mm -hmm. doesn't mean i have to experience it <laughs> i've experienced a lot of things in my life that i hope the next generation doesn't have to yeah. but i also do really believe that that's a that's a it's a devastating misstep from the christian faith that we try to protect our children from everything mm -hmm. versus going let me teach you how to manage when you make mistakes because yeah. we don't we don't yeah. talk about sex we don't talk about relationships we don't talk about drugs we don't talk about alcohol we say don't do all of these things we don't give people handlebars of going what happens mm -hmm. you know when you do, what happens when it happens? What happens when there's issues? What happens when the world is not perfect, right? And we don't know how to deal with death. Like, what's why all these Christians are sad all the time? I'm like, what do you mean? They died, they went to the whole thing. We all, whole, this whole thing is about going to heaven, right? So why the heck are you so sad? It's because we don't actually believe the thing that we believe. No, no, no. It's because even if we believe in heaven, what we've lost is them with us. They, them, or? The person who Sorry. died. Yes. All right. So if I die, will you actually miss me? I think in my it, yeah, of course I'll miss you, but that's because grief is multidimensional. Right. And love is multidimensional. Yeah, it doesn't mean you don't grief believe that there's that can life cross through time and space. Right. But it doesn't mean that we don't believe there's something after life just because you're grieving. It means you've lost something or someone you love deeply. But shouldn't absolute belief in my in what we what we should believe in, shouldn't that eradicate that fear? We're not sad for them. We're sad for us. <laughs> yeah. When someone dies, you're not sad for them. Your sadness has no effect on them. You're sad for you. So do you, you think remain. That, so do you think the universe experiences this level of sadness when things are... When a star, I don't think when the universe a, does because I don't think the universe dies. has feelings. No, but if everything, okay, so take feelings out of it, but say that uh, in that every, what is it? Uh, it's, uh, is it Newton's law or is it Murphy's law? That, no, Murphy's law is everything that can happen will happen, right? Mm -hmm. But Isaac, is it Newton's law that says that everything uh, that is set in motion will stay in motion? So 
right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the three laws. Yeah. So in this situation, like mm -hmm. you maybe don't attribute the idea of feelings or the concept of feelings to the universe, but go if something does happen or there's equal to an uh, equal to or greater than equal to an opposite reaction, right? So mm -hmm. if I need to learn these laws better, mm -hmm. but if something happens inside of the universe, say a star dies, yeah, right? Say Earth is yeah. destroyed. There's a reaction. There's a reaction, and yes. that reaction could be in one way or another have a value set of maybe that is similar to feelings. And that it reacts in a way in which it has to either like fill the void or replace the void or acknowledge the void. Mm, that's deep. So when when a, a galaxy collapses, the universe could be experiencing a subversion of grief, mm. you know, or loss. Or when uh, a star is born, it could be experiencing the universal equivalent of celebration, joy, mm. and. And even if it's not a feeling, it's a it's a it's a reaction to that reality. That's interesting. I, 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 we're probably going to find out that's that's true. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. We've, we're so far off, and yeah. um, and we don't have to talk about the Church of England, but you know, it's a good conversation. Yeah. No, I actually think that it's an important conversation in that, um, from one side of it, there is a biblical, broader view that God is bigger than He She. And and uh, that you know God is plural. Yeah. On the downside, I think we just keep diminishing our understanding of God because of all the political correctness and identity um, crises that we have as a society. Mm -hmm. And if we keep trying to redefine God with our lack of identity, we're we're going to end up diminishing God to a nothingness. Mm. You know and. Mm. And, and, you know, so if we're saying they because we don't like him, hmm. um, we're actually going to lose something. If we say they because we don't like her, we're going to lose something. Hmm. And um, if we say they because it encompasses the full totality of being human, hmm. then we actually gain something. Hmm. Uh, but I don't have any problem calling God Father. And um, I think uh, that... I actually think that to let go of that language releases men from living up to the wonder of that name. Hmm. I want men to live up to the level where when someone hears father, they go, oh, that's a beautiful thing. Hmm. I, can, I can trust anyone called father. Hmm. And we've moved culture to a place where people don't like the word father because they don't like their fathers. They don't trust any God that's called Father because they don't trust their fathers, mm -hmm. and you know, and you know, and so it's, I, I, I think that there's actually the the intention behind it is more important than the language to me. Mm. I'd love to know maybe more of that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We're so grateful that you tuned in. Uh, check out the YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate, review, give us stars, uh, subscribe to the YouTube, check us out. If you want to see this new office, check it out on YouTube. Um, we will have an episode next week. And also thank you to everybody who is uh, a subscriber to the Patreon. Thank you guys for being faithful and giving and being a part of that. Also, if you are looking to join the Patreon, uh, Battle Ready Podcast. It's patreon.com slash Battle Ready Podcast. You can also go to the Battle Ready Podcast.com and you can hit Patreon, go subscribe there. There's some extra videos, extra episodes. We do some things. We'll see you guys next week. Oh, if you're on our Patreon and you're like, where's the goodness? We just released <laughs> a new episode called The Last of Us. Is it about zombies? I don't know. Is it about fungi? I don't know. Is it about the HBO show called The Last of Us? I don't know, but go check it out. Patreon.com, Battle Ready Podcast. <laughs>